Welcome to episode 430 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto, team, welcome along to episode 430 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. I should say 430 take two. I know, it's been a bit of an up and down funny old day, Bevan. It's been a shocker for both of us all day really, hasn't it? It has. Started with John sleeping. Oh, it's a shocker. I've had been back for a week and I've had two missed wake-up calls and I'm usually military at getting up at five o'clock every day, usually awake for my alarm. This morning, wake up. Hear the kids banging around at six thirty-three, and boom, char, miss my swim opportunity. But it's okay. Project for twenty fourteen has not fallen off. It happened. I still got my five k swimming. Still got my bike riding. Still got my massage in. But then we're doing take two of I am talk. Yeah, because unfortunately, I made a bit of an error when I was processing. I did the intro, and I didn't realise that the rest of the file had deleted while I was doing that. And then I screwed John. We were screwed. <laughs> well, I couldn't get the file back around. And normally in, in our garage band, there's a, there's a way you can get around it. But oh, I spent like an hour trying to figure it out. And I was like, you know what? Going to take two options. So here we are. Anyway, and it was the best show ever, wasn't it, John? It was outstanding. Oh, Gordon Ramsay. Remember that yep. bit? <laughs> yeah. But John got into Gordon Ramsay for a bit there. Anyway, um, I'm talking proudly brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com for the world's tastiest coffee I need a bit of that right now to be honest I'm a bit tired athlinks.com social networking for endurance athletes and extreme endurance galactic buffer okay John Bowen this week's show we've got a bit of news what are we going to do what are we, we're going to be we're, cutting we're stuff gonna, aren't we what are we're we doing, doing a, we've got an interview with Hunter Allen yep. um, the power guru that he is and a little bit of an epic camp rap, and that's pretty much this week's show. We did have a two-hour show. It's probably going to be closer to an hour now, so <laughs> so there we go. Anyway, the big news, and John has got some massive news for you guys. Where is it, Jombo? It's bigger than Texas, Bevan. Bigger Texas, than Texas. Texas is a big place, but this it's... is bigger than Texas. I hear you. I am talk Kona experience with Dave Dwan and yours truly. So it is officially going to be kicking off. And what we're talking about here is it's essentially the opportunity to come and tack along onto my taper into the Hawaii Ironman, whether you're racing or whether you're not racing. Uh, so, yeah, it's basically the, the deal is. Uh, it's not a coaching camp whatsoever. It's basically, as I said, tacking on to the training that I'm doing. Dave Dwan, the legendary uh, epic camp support crew person that he is, is going to be looking after people and looking after their gear and stuff while we train. Um, and you can join in the training from Saturday the 4th of October, so a week out. Or if you arrive early, you can tack on to what I'm doing. I'll already be there. Do all the sessions with me. Um, on Thursday before the race, we'll have a lunch out with Bevan and myself, and that's all included. Um, on Saturday, a week out, we'll have a sort of a question and answer session with myself and the fillinator. Um, we've you know covered every part of the Kona course many times, uh, and just a general catch up. And so yeah, it's 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 sort of a camp, but it sort of isn't. It's um, just yeah the opportunity to meet up with some listeners, tack on to the training I'm doing. Dave will look after a bunch of gear, have lunch with me and Bevan, and also. 
You'll be happy to know, Bevan, that I have got a My Athlete Live tracking device that I'm going to be wearing during the race. And we've got three of those up for offer as well as little spot prizes um, for people that, are, that sign up and also discounted entry, discounted rates for anybody that wants to get uh, swim lessons with Carlin Pipes, who is a, a legendary swim coach from Kona. She holds about five gazillion world records. She's an awesome uh, age group sort of world swimming records. Very good coach, um, a very, very good swimmer. And um, that's the guts of it, really. So, Oh, it's going to be awesome. So, so the good thing is, is I get a free lunch out of it. You do, you do. Yes. So lunch, lunch is going to be at uh, the Kona Brewing Company, which is always good times. So if you're not racing, you're most welcome to partake in a few of their brews. And they do have really good beer, really good beer. Um, so Although it's, it's Kona Week, John. It is Kona Week, but some people won't be racing. Oh, okay. um, so 125 bucks um, basically covers it all. So just want to stress that what it's not is it's not – a coaching sessions with me I'm going to be pretty selfish in, in race week I basically I'll explain what we're doing why we're doing it when we, and then I'll basically kick off and I'll be going at my intensity um, and won't be you know standing around doing lots of coaching or any coaching of that matter um, Dave's basically there to, to look after you guys and then uh, look after gear when we're at the pier and watch over bikes um, and you basically have to transport yourself to all the workouts I'll either be going from the pier or from outside my condo um, so yeah it's more just um, joining in with some training sessions and having lunch with Bevan and myself. Yeah, so look, it's really cool, guys. So what we've done is we've put a link to it on www.imtalk.me. And if you go to that link, you go to Kona. And under the drop-down menu there, you've got John's Taper Camp in Kona. And uh, it's just all the information you need to know. It's going to be going from, when does it go from? The Sunday? Well, it goes from the Saturday, the week week out. But if people arrive early, um, I'll be training some. They're more than welcome to tack on. But officially from the Saturday and a um, little form to fill in. There's a PayPal link there. And I've put up a very, very basic schedule of what I've got planned for that week so you nice. can see what's coming up. You don't have to do all the sessions. You can do, pick and choose what you want to do. Um, if you're not racing, you might want to do, I can include some intervals and stuff in there. Um, it's all going to be pretty low-key. Yeah, no, it's um, it's it's awesome. So check it out. Go to www.imtalk.me and you can be in on the camp. So it's all good in the hood. Um, Jombo, we had other people. To be honest, while that was the biggest piece of news for the week, we have had some other big news this week. And the first one we're going to talk about is that Rev Three has been merging with Challenge, or probably a better way of putting it is that Challenge has taken over Rev Three. Yeah, so it was, um, I don't know if it was an inevitable or not, but Rev3, you know, they dropped the prize money this year for the pro athletes and you, the press releases that I was kind of reading was they may have wanted to get out anyway, so I think it was really convenient challenge want to get in and get a foothold in America um, and rather than trying to create their own races this just seems like a, a really good natural way of doing it so good luck to them and um, it's really their first big foray into the states we know they have Challenge Penticton and Challenge Atlantic City but now you know that two races is not massive now this is going to add another what six or seven races in there and they're going to become a serious contender and it's just an interest, really interesting market it blows my mind that you know People will go and do Ironman Canada and Penticton for, for year after year after year, and as soon as it doesn't become an Ironman and still put on by a very reputable company with um, with good 
track record and good experience, they still just all go and flock to Whistler or wherever else. So it's going to be really fascinating to watch how Challenge unfolds in America, which is very, very um, brand loyal to 70.3s and, uh, and M. Ironman. So um, good luck to them. Yeah, well, we went, earlier today when we were looking at the amount of races they've got, they've now got close to, I think it was somewhere about nine races in, in the US or in North America. So it will be interesting, you know, like it, it will be interesting to see what kind of marketing, you know, kind of finances they'll be able to put into actually establishing a brand that people would want to do. Because as you say, Challenge Penticton, I think it's doing good enough. I'm not sure. How, do, 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 oh, no, uh, it's, it's, it's really really gone down a lot this year um, but we uh, we'll talk about this next week's show we have had emails through from people saying that whilst the numbers are down it's the race still is a awesome. fantastic yeah. vibe and, and everything so yeah it's 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 going to be challenging times for challenge Bevan yeah well and this is always the most challenging market for challenge <laughs> so we, yeah. we can, <laughs> can you see the challenge in that it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge for Felix. It's just going to be a challenging year ahead for them. I feel, I feel really challenge challenged brand. by this discussion. Yeah. <laughs> Another challenging race was on at the weekend was uh, Zoffingen. And Peter Mills was emailing through saying, um, hey, boys, you know, you didn't give it any love last week. Last week's show was not a lot of peas done on that one because no. I'd literally got off the plane. But Zoffingen is just an awesome race. Uh, it's a duathlon, and it's traditionally run over a 30K run, 150K bike ride, and a 10K run over bloody difficult terrain, up and down all day. Used to have massive prize money. Used to have Molina there and Mark Allen and Aaron Bates and all the big legends um, it's it certainly has faded over over the years but still this year it was the ITU world long distance champs and we had what is commonly known and as in the I am talk world a complete dojo domination in the yeah, women's event. Far out, yeah. Emma Pooley went 647 um, beat you know it's crushing course record that was held previously by Karen Thurig, um, who was legendary in her own right. She won by 32 minutes over Eva Nordstrom. Um, And if we look at second through to 10th, there was only 25 minutes covering second through to 10th, but she was 32 minutes in front of them, or 31.50, I think, in front of them. That's a killer, isn't it? So, yeah, given she's an ex-cyclist who, I think she got a silver medal at the Olympics or something like that, the fact that she's running, she, I think she was first off the run. Uh, if she can swim, man, she'd be a bit of a weapon. And uh, if, oh yeah, and what else happened in the race? Guys, so I think we had Gail Lebilac from France take it out, 621 from Yannick Catalan and Soren Bistrup. Um, of note in the men's race with eight, was eighth place, which was Chris Lee in 6.45. So he managed uh, by 2 minutes 20 not to get checked, so good on him. Um, he's uh, won plenty of Ironman races and getting a bit long in the tooth, but Peter Mills went up to him and asked him, you know, what the hell are you doing coming and doing this 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 race in Zoffingen? And he said, look, it's on my hit list. It's one of those races that has got a huge amount of history and it's just... Uh, a bucket list race for me, so he still went fairly respectively to get uh, eighth place. And if you look at this week's, I think it was Pete who sent through the photo. Uh, if you look at this week's uh, me, they've got like a, a kind of a plaque that they have on the street in Zofigan, and it's got all the old names of the winners in it. It's a pretty cool photo. Uh, mm. Yeah, so check that out on me. Okay, John, well, let's be honest, the real big piece of news this week was the World 70.3 Champs, and 
we were talking earlier on today when we did that first great show about how this has probably been the first time that we've seen the ITU guys cross over and really show their class in this kind of distance, at, you know, at a mass strong field. Yeah, it was. So there's there's really, you know, the, the, in the past we've had guys like Craig Alexander dominating Sebastian Keenley, you know, your Ironman athletes. Um, yeah. Yes, there's been some 70.3 specialists like Terenzo's taken it out. Um, but yeah, as you said, this year it was uh, ITU or former ITU athletes um, really crushing it. So Javier Gomez, man, that dude races so much. He's so consistent and he's just a weapon. So he swam 22, bike 206 lost a tight teensy bit of ground on the on the bike but not really anything significant and then ran a 109 for a 341 and he had a 40 second victory over the big german jan fredino who uh, who knows what he's going to do in kona but he could potentially absolutely kill it but who knows you know iron man's a different uh, different different ball game tim don i thought had a fantastic race there in third and the first of the the sort of ironman athletes was nils from who had a really good day at the office in fifth so again interesting to see how he can transfer that across to kona and joe gambles and tim reed who i believe is also doing kona was up there in seventh place bart arnott's who is you know arguably the fastest ironman runner out there um he was you know four minutes off the pace of javier gomez on the run legs so uh had a little bit but too much to do, and Terenzo was down there at ninth. So, so I was, someone sent through an email, and unfortunately, I can't find it right now. But they ran so he ran 69 for the run, which is smoking in any race, but apparently had a pretty decent climb in it as well. Mm. Yeah. So, like, he said, he, I can't remember, I can't find the email, unfortunately. I, I wish I could because I'd give this person love, but. Cheapest. If you're running 69 off a bike and a half, you're smoking it. But then apparently the hill was a pretty solid climb. You know, it wasn't just a little mm. kind of bump. Jeez, those guys are amazing, aren't they? Yeah, Gomez is um, is a weapon. And you just, I, I was actually having a discussion. I was getting a massage today from good old John Ellis at Muscle Zinc. Yep. And you go, you want someone like that in Kona. You really you know? do, don't you? you? Just go, screw the bloody qualification system. Let's just have a few wild cards every year. Yeah. Give, get, Gomez isn't going to go and validate anywhere. I, I think it'd be highly unlikely. But if you just said. Does, no, does he need to validate? He needs to do an Ironman. He, he, he still does, does he? Okay. Yeah. Unless they've changed the rules again, but that was the, the previous one. You had to go and finish an iron distance race. Um, but if you just said to him, you know, maybe next year or even 2016 after the Olympics, just say, hey, why don't you come and do Ironman? Um, oh, I just think it would be so exciting. Oh. If he or blew up, who cares? But well, especially if we get him now, because you, now he's still in his peak. I think in, in 2016, he is getting to, you know, like he's still going to be God. Don't get me wrong, he's still going to be amazing. But imagine mm. if we got him like this year. Imagine how cool that would yeah. have been. Yeah, so it, I know it's not fair on all those guys who go out there and they do all the qualifying races, but if they put it out there from the, the from the as part of the qualifying criteria, right, let's have five wild cards every year and they can go to anybody we want to get. I know p- people are bitch and moan about that, but God, it would be exciting. Well, because the thing is, those guys aren't going to come otherwise, are they? You're not going to get the Brownlee boys there. No, they're just not going to do it, you know, because there's just too much income and, and status and, and the world that they're in right now. And so they wouldn't commit to the sport in that way. But if you were to have this option, you know, they could just pop out three months of their life, maybe in a quiet season, home of the season, be pretty awesome. 
Yeah, because the, the ITU season does wrap up fairly early, like it's wrapped up now. So mm. they still have, you know, six or eight weeks or so to, to get ready to ready to rumble. So And we yeah. know we know Alistair loves a challenge. Like mm. you know, I reckon if they gave him that option, uh, well, I wouldn't be surprised if they you know, he would turn around and say, Yep, I'm doing it. Exactly. So on the girls' side of things, we had Daniela Reef, um, and she is certainly—I wouldn't certainly wouldn't call her a dark horse for Kona—but she crushed them out there on the bike and had a solid run to to hold on for for the win from Jody Swallow. And I don't have all the results sitting in front of me, Bevan. So who was in third place? Heather Wood. Heather Wood had a blinder. She had a that's an outstanding race. You know, she beat some really big names there with Meredith Kessler and Mary Beth Ellis and and so on. So I thought that was possibly the performance of the day, her getting in into third place. So some girls there showing some really nice form leading into Kona. Meredith Kessler's had an outstanding year. So I think she's got to be certainly one of the favourites. Mary Beth Ellis faded a bit on the run, only ran a one twenty eight. I think she'd be pretty disappointed with that. Um, but still probably in some pretty good nick um, for the for the swim bike so yeah i think it's um going to be interesting times in kona but a lot of the, the other big names not necessarily there the likes of uh you know rinny and and a few of the other big girls um but yeah i think meredith kessler is certainly uh one of the form horses this year for kona okay so so while the champs were on we got a lot of emails from from you guys saying that, talking about the frustration of the coverage that was on at the 70, of, on the internet of the 70.3 champs, basically all they did have was basically four movie or four cameras and four spots throughout the race and had live streaming of the coverage. And uh, there was a lot of frustration on the internet around that. Yeah, it's pretty piss poor. I mean, um, if we're trying to build a proper professional sport and trying to build the 70.3 to being a serious race you know i just think i don't think it's just the race day coverage they just need a marketing department that has a clue about how to build up to an event does lots of build up rather than just rock i don't don't think they achieve a lot by just having the race day coverage they need the full package in terms of building up pumping stuff out on on youtube you know pro athlete interviews build up stuff, profiling the course, doing what other major sports do, trying to get a bit more profile around the sport and then doing the live coverage. But the fact they had no live coverage, yeah, it's, it's pretty pissed. And, and when we had our original discussion on take one, um, you know, it is incredibly expensive to put on live coverage. Really, really expensive. But, you know, I think we know how much this, is, this should be a flagship event you know yeah. the, you know the, like sure you know what most i men around the world it, it wouldn't be worth it it's a waste of money but it's your world champs now john some news has come through today that they are actually having full coverage on NBC sports well, one the, hour coverage yeah, not but, full coverage well yeah but okay not full coverage but and it's on september 30th so we've got no to but to but they months. had the cameras there yeah you know yeah, what yeah, i mean so, you, you yeah, know th that was my point it was not not that you know that but they they were they were facilitating the ability to be able to do some aspect of this, and mm. I don't know. It seems I don't know. It was a bit weak. It was very weak. Considering they have done a good job in the last few years, I remember watching a bit of the seventy point three coverage last year. Granted, the screen got a little bit fogged up. They the guy who had the camera that wasn't cleaning it very well. But they <laughs> they they have had some pretty good uh, pretty good coverage there in the past, and and we've seen it at Ironman New Zealand and Taupo. They've had fantastic live coverage there. So it's not like it's impossible i know it costs money but you know let's let's take it a bit more seriously and give the the pros a fair fair suck of the save <laughs> let them suck the save jombo 
I've got a question for you. Have you ever seen the NBC Sports Network coverage of the World 70.3 Champs? No, I don't believe I have. Well, I'm just curious to see. This is another. Do you, do you want me to get me ranting now? Go on you? then. Go on. Go on. Because they're going to bloody put it up on NBC. What about the rest of the world? John, I feel your pain. Mm. What about us in good old Kiwi land? No, because the thing I'm wondering is, I'll be interested to see how it's edited. You know, because we know that Ironman is very much edited. The World Championships are very much edited around, you know, your, your, your attention drawer like a Gordon Ramsay or the sob story. And and over the last few years, I've done a bit more around having the pros involved in the experience. But the 70.3, it'll be interesting to see if it's more about the race. Because let's be honest, the racing of the 70.3, the men's race was pretty interesting. The females race was pretty interesting as well. It'll be interesting to see how they package this brand product in comparison to the Ironman brand. Do you think they'll just do exactly what they've done with Ironman, but in a condensed kind of way? Or do you think they'll actually make it a bit more of a race-focused kind of package? I really don't know. I hope. I, I, I think the latter. I think it'll, ne- it'll probably be more of a... A race sports show, but that's yeah. just me speculating. I look forward to it. 30th of September, John, lock it out of your, lock it in your diary. Actually, one big advantage. I wonder what time that is on 30th. Will, of will you be there? I get to Kona on 30th of September. Yeah, you go get straight to your room. The bloody the TV over there. You never know what channel you're on. No, it's crikey, dick. It's crikey, dick. Whinge, whinge, whinge. That's all us Kiwis do. That's the bloody Kiwis. Okay, John, but other news. We had I am in Wisconsin. We did indeed, and we had uh, a ki- Kiwi slash uh, German take that out on the girls' side of things. On the boys' side of things, uh, we had Daniel Brecher take it out from Brandon Marsh by l- just over a minute. They both ran well, ran 250 and 251 respectively, so pretty close racing there. Pedro Gomes was third in 8.36, and on the girls' side of things, as I said, we had Britta Martin, who is a, a Kiwi slash German racing over there and she took it out and she's had a pretty torrid time of late the place she was training in in Germany has had uh, 90 days in a row of rain so I think her yeah, training okay. has been she's been stretched her patience stretched to the limit she took it out from Tamara Kozelina and Ashley Clifford uh, it's going to be all changed at Wisconsin next year because it's likely that it won't be have a pro field to it because we know that WTC are going to have a number of races that will not have pro fields in it so those guys uh, will be the defending champions and next year uh, there will be no pros to knock them off I think it's going to be a really interesting year for the sport next year just to see the dynamic of how this kind of shifts the sport like I I, I think both of us agree that we actually think it's a good thing you know that better stronger Mm. pro races better pay and all the rest of it but it'll just be interesting to see how that does affect those kind of non- pro races and, and let's be honest it probably won't affect the numbers at all but it would just be a different experience in some ways won't it well indeed uh, and Torsten is previewing our Kona experience um, he's got his mini Kona preview out it's a couple of pages long outlining some of the, the big kahunas that are racing and also how the race potentially might unfold you know when Starkowitz is going to hit the front potentially and at what time and who's going to potentially go with him so it's a bit of a prelude for Torsten's big Kona um, rating report that will come out before the race is filled with all the information about the pros that you're going to need to look out for. So check that out on tryrating.com. And as always, uh, they have, he, he sort of uh, previews every Ironman race and they also have their um, Ironman betting coming up as well. I know for Challenge Almera coming up this weekend and other races. 
Good times. Okay, Jombo, they've released the 2015 ITU World Champion Triathlon Series. And it's definitely a global event, isn't it? It is. Uh, Gold Coast is the, the new entrant on the calendar. So we start off with Auckland, as we have done the last few years, go to Gold Coast, which will be a newbie. Um, I can't say it's going to be, a, I'd imagine it's going to be a pretty uh, boring course because they normally just go on up and up and down the, the front promenade there. Then they'll go to Cape Town, which is also a flat course. I'm not too excited about that. Yokohama, another flat course. <laughs> London, another flat course. Hamburg is usually pretty cool because it's tight and technical. Um, likewise with Stockholm, we did see that breaking up a little bit. Edmonton um, is nothing particularly challenging either, and nor is Chicago. Although in Chicago, they had the about 5 million uh, U-turns on that course. So it's a shame, I guess, in some regards that they don't have the likes of Kitzbühel, which is when they had the uphill race. Um, and I'm just gagging for the, to see them do like a, triple triathlon or a double triathlon or have some some real variation with some uh, some some really solid hills in there are you, so, are you disappointed in the time frame you know like because you, you know not long ago well probably a year ago you were thinking that there's there was a chance that it might be at 2016 the olympics but it, it's obviously not going to happen now um why do you think it is taking so long and are you getting frustrated with the fact that there, aren't, there isn't much change uh, like because like, you know what i watched that team's relay at the Com games and I'm, I'm not as kind of passionate about the itu stuff as you but geez it was an exciting race it and was it was and it was really dynamic and it was interesting and um you know like it just any you know and it just for me it's like well it seems like an obvious path that's that's the big push is to try to get that into the olympics um so i guess that's their strategy at this stage but I my I don't know. I've been saying this for ages. I think it's a matter of time before we go to a sprint format um, because uh, it's made for TV. And I think uh, by the time we get to 2020, I'll be very surprised if we don't have a sprint distance triathlon. But do you think that do you think that will be then the current Olympic distance will be gone from the Olympics? Like they'll yep. still only have two oh, events. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, they won't get any more than two events. If if they're lucky, they'll get two. But uh, yeah, they won't. They'll never get more than two. Mm. It's that's it's just the way it is, Bevan. John, you some insight team. You know, yeah. quote him five years from now. So, yeah. John, you were years ago. Okay, coming up this weekend, what we got happening? I'm in Wales. We've got uh, Challenge Aldmira, and then we've got Hits Hunter Mountain, uh, Iron Basque in France, Capital Man in the States, Challenge UK. So, two challenge races on this weekend. And also, as you said, Ironman Wales. And one thing I will say about Ironman Wales, this could potentially be old news uh, and may not be super accurate because the date on it is February the 22nd. <laughs> but we did have uh, emails in that uh, well, no, complaining about Gordon Ramsay going to Kona. Um, but on this piece of news on the 25th of April, said that he's actually going to be racing Ironman Wales. So don't know if that's still current or not. And he's using that as a lead into Kona or whether he's just going to do Kona. So when you were searching through his early on today's show, guys, John went through Gordon Ramsay's Facebook page, no lies, for probably 40 minutes, no yeah. exaggeration. And uh, he went right back to, when did you go back to? Probably about... There was not, uh, I, I was expecting there to be a bit more Kona, a bit more triathlon coverage on his Facebook you page. You went right back to Kona last year, didn't you? Yeah, and there was coverage there, but between now and Kona from last year, wasn't many triathlon pictures or anything like that. And allegedly, he's doing about 25 hours training a week. And I thought, mm, that's a fair bit of your life. I would have thought you might have had a few more selfies out there on the bike rather than pictures of your food and your kids and everything. But no, yeah. But he's got 2.8 million followers. He's, he's doing all right. 
Well, that, that's what I'm saying. So I'm just saying you didn't see that on his Facebook page. You didn't see Iron Man Wales up this weekend when you were searching. No, I did not. Mm, there you go. Okay, guys, sponsor. Ah, oh, Bevan, what are you doing? Athlinks.com. So you're Kona. looking. Yeah, tell us about Kona. Kona's coming up, and me and Gordon will be on the start line. Yeah. As will uh, everybody else, obviously, in the 35 to 39 age group. And I was just doing a little bit of research to see who I'm up against. And, of course, you can go back to all your, your results from Kona um, on Ironman.com. But what you can't do there is actually find out what other athletes uh, in your age group are doing elsewhere in the world. And so you can get a slightly better comparison. Um, but on Athlinks, you certainly can. And you can go on there and I can see Sam Guide, who's um, who won the age group, 35 to 39 age group last year. And I go on there and I start th- talking myself up a bit because he did uh, – Boston Marathon this year and only ran 2.41. I'm thinking, oh, well, ah. I've run a couple of minutes quicker than that. I can have him there. But then I scroll down and see some of others, his other results and he won Kona last year. He won the year before and he won the year before that. So then I'm thinking, haven't got too much of a show, I think, of beating him. So I go back and I have a bit of, a, bit of a look through some of the other dudes um, in the age group and uh yeah it's basically what you guys can do is you can go through your age group whether it be Kona whether it be elsewhere and you can go in and you can have a bit of a bit of a look see around suss out who was there last year and how they rank um at other races they may have done races that you've done and you can just try to get a bit more of a feel of um what is a realistic target in terms of placing and ballpark time so check it all out on athlinks.com and you 35 to 39 year athletes look out it is it does get it is good research isn't it it is and uh you know i checked out one dude bj christensen he can run like the wind and he had a great race in kona but then i was looking at his other races not quite so good and pedro cavales from uh, cordovez is from panama and looks like he just qualifies at 70.3 also get a bit of feedback from me in terms of a lot of these guys are pretty woeful swimmers relative to their uh to their other abilities like the guys in in my age group um so first second third 108 in the swim 58 in the swim 103 but the problem I've got there, Bevan, is they all rode 429, 437, 439, 432. Yeah, it's a big problem, John. That is bitching. That is moving it. They're good on the run, like 306-ish and 318 was in third. But, man, those guys are moving it on the bike, so really the, So the question it. I have for you is if you had a good solid day, what are you thinking you're going to do on the bike? Uh, in, in conditions like last year, I probably would expect a – 450-ish, um, yeah, and that's a really that's yeah. a really good day. Um, but yeah, conditions vary so much over there. You know, I think my range would be 450 would be the very top end, and probably 505 would be the bottom end if it was a trickier day. But if we have a day like you did when you were in Kona, then you know it could be 515 and still be a respectable split. Um, yeah. So yeah, varies hugely on the bike. Oh, well, that's a good thing about athletes, guys. If you're thinking of doing a race and you want to check out your competition or just kind of get an idea of where you need to be, go to athletes.com and uh, do your research, and then you can dominate the dojo. Do you want discussion of the week? Leave it till next week? Oh, no, we'll quickly go through it now. Okay, discussion of the week. So this week's discussion of the week was, what has been your most epic training session ever? And we talked about this earlier today, but we're going to say that a lot today, really, aren't we? But we, we talked about this, and Jordan Rapster is a nut bar. 
He is. So his his uh, most epic session is a gigantic 15k swim, which in so, itself. Have you ever swam that long? No, I'm, I've only ever swam 10k. I so remember your hundreds on hundreds. I don't know, I've done that. A few, done 10k a few times, but have not done 15k and don't plan to either. How, how, so, when you've done 100 hundreds, how do you feel the next day? Uh, just fatigue in your your arms, yeah. You know? Um, not necessarily. I, I don't necessarily get sore. It's just fatigue. Okay. So just just tired arms. So Jordan Rapp's set is 15 times through a 400 IM off the blocks, 400 pull pull with paddles, 100 kick, 100 back. Uh, all must be done in a long course meters pull. So 400 IM doing one 400 IM is bloody hard. But to do 15 of 15. them, it's 1,500 metres of butterfly. You've got to be pretty well conditioned to do that because uh, on Epic Camp, I did about a 600 metres of, of butterfly within a 6K swim, and my arms were pretty shagged after that. I don't I don't think I could do that set. No. Oh. You'd have to train pr- pretty well for I it. guarantee I can't. So I'd, I'd vouch for that. Good old Scott Horns. He's got um, ran 48 miles solo point to point with very little training in eight hours. Fun day. Brett Samet said, without doubt, he did an indoor Ironman back in May. Where oh. He swam pool. He biked um, on an, a compu trainer and a then bum did, numbing. Yeah, and then did uh, a marathon on a treadmill. So 12 hours inside. That is a tricky day at the office. There, there, I remember once I was at a fitness conference in America. And a guy was trying to beat the world indoor run on a treadmill. And I remember watching him for 10 minutes and just thinking, bugger that for a joke. Like, I think he had to run for like 13 hours mm. on a treadmill. No, that's, not, that's not fun. There's no fun in that. David Hale, he, he, he got inspired, John. After a fight with the missus, and split from the girlfriend, went for an 11-hour ride, not including a stop for a beer and lunch at the halfway point on the pub. At the pub. Nice. 11 hours in the saddle. Ricardo Coderio. Uh, this, this summer, I did a 14k sea swim along the coast of Algarve, south of Portugal. One way dragging my running gear tied in a, uh, to a buoy. And then came back running 16k the other way with his backpack and his swimming gear in his backpack. That's pretty cool. Good old Matthew Bins and good old Pete Colson having a bit, giving a bit of banter to each other. Pete Colson's got... I once swam 1k straight. It was epic because I beat Matthew Bins. And then Matthew Bins has got, I'm not hardcore. I get beaten in the swim by physically challenged athletes like Peter Colson. So. <laughs> Try Man Jack. A lot of love. Try Man Jack says 60 by 50s, every fourth one flat out, and then a 220k ride to start our journey to Brisbane, a total of 850k's over four days. That's a big swim, and that's a big bike ride to back it up. Good old Grant Callahan has got a training for a 24-hour adventure race. Five of us decided to trail run and do some kayaking. Pre-dropped, paddled to another point, then mountain biked home. Starting about 3 p.m., we misjudged the trek and ended up running 40k all trail. Started the pedal at 7.30 p.m. because the water was low and it took another four hours. Arrived home at about midnight, decided not to do the mountain bike leg. Nice. There's a couple of other people who've uh, done some epic bike rides. Norman White, um, Nick Nick Hutton, and a bunch of other people who've done big, long bike rides. And that's probably, for me, um, the most epic thing that I remember in terms of a challenge that I thought was going to be very difficult, and it turned out to be very difficult, was to do my first ever bike ride towards Kaiteri, where we uh, biked. Gordo and I biked 200, about 245 k's from Christchurch to Lewis Pass. And I was very inexperienced at riding ultra-distance stuff. 
completely cocked up my nutrition, completely blew up. And the last 80Ks of the right ride, or probably almost the last 100Ks of that ride, are very, very challenging, very hilly, and just relentless. And uh, exploded, Gordo exploded even more than I did. And so I think that's probably what I'll always remember as my most epic day, despite having done longer rides than that since you know i've done a three couple of 300k rides um but at that stage i knew i could do it and it's just a case of getting through hi belinda how you doing hey belinda oh yeah hey hello and uh, she's gone oh, she's she, she gone mute no she's uh something else yeah okay see you later belinda <laughs> yeah um for me uh, i was thinking about it today like i don't know if i have any an epic day. I think there's a couple of cool things that I did. Like you and I riding to Queenstown was quite cool. Mm. Um, and then you and I did um, that triple long bays, which was quite a cool day. Uh, and that day was was pretty cool. But I think for me, there was one day in Epic Camp, which I mentioned earlier. And that was uh, one day where Brandon and I managed to break away from the pack early on in like probably a 200k bike ride. And there was a pack of about eight guys chasing us <clears throat> like for four hours. Or, or uh, just for like the longest time and we were just on the river the whole time and we held them off and it was just like the biggest buzz so for me that's probably it I can't remember I can't remember many times where I quit you mm. know I can't remember many times in training where I was like no nah, I've given up I can't really remember that like I, I always kept going at least if you know what I mean did, yep. you, did you ever quit? I, I remember on that ride, um, the, the guys that were behind you just came out. <laughs> we were just leaving those boys out to dry. We were just, <laughs> we were full just of spinning, shit. and they just thought they were bloody world champions <laughs> sitting off the front, and we were just chuckling away, cruising. Thanks for the support, mate. I'm really feeling the love, you know? Feeling the love. Okay, this week's discussion. So we're off to Kona. We're going to be doing the Kona Super Specials real soon. And uh, John's going to be doing some interviews before I arrive, and then pretty much from that moment forward, he puts his feet up, and I work my butt off, but that's all good, because I'm here for the listener, John. But what we want to know this week is, what are some of the non-top pro contenders that we should try to get to interview when we're in Kona? So we're kind of looking for either interesting second-tier pros, or notable age groupers, or maybe just people who you think have an interesting story, you know, that, that we could share with the community. Because mm, the reality is, um, getting some of those top pros, they get asked for five, about five million interviews over there, and um, we'll get we'll get a few of them. But we want to get a nice um, spread of interviews. I remember we had you know like Lou Hollander, the old dude, um, yep. a few years back. And that, surf, some, that surf guy. Yep, like, surf guy. And we've had some really in- interesting other ones, some second tier pros. So uh, let us let us know what you think, and we will. Uh, I will get to work on that. Okay, good times, rock and roll. Okay, Jumbo, do you want to put the interview in now? Chuck in Hunt. Here comes Hunter Allen to talk about all things power. Okay, Hunter Allen, here he is. Okay, um, one of our favourite guests to come on the show is Mr. Power Guru Hunter Allen. So, uh, Mr. Happy Man, Hunter. Every time I see you and hear you, you're probably I think you're probably the happiest person I've met. So well done. <laughs> well, thank you. We, we like we like smiles and we like laughs. Um, Absolutely. You're you're heading out to New Zealand, and uh, we are the first country in the world to get daylight every day, or the first you know we, we kick off the kick off the living of each day in the world and we're going to be kicking off the, the launch of WKO down here shortly. Yes, yes, it's really exciting. Uh, you know, we've been working for, oh gosh, over two years now on WKO4 and uh, and, I, and, I, and I was down there you know, about seven years ago and I was like, you know, this would be a great place to go and and uh, see some old friends and uh, just just show everybody what what uh, we have in store for them with WKO4 and and uh, so yeah, coming down there this month. 
So a lot of people aren't going to know what the hell WKO is. Um, so can you sort of explain to us um, what WKO is? Absolutely. So WKO stands for Workout, and it is the name of Training Peaks software. It's our uh, deep analysis software that we use for power meters uh, specifically, but then also for GPS devices. So if you're running, uh, perfect thing to analyze your running data. And then uh, we'll also have some uh, great swimming metrics in there as well for uh, the Finis Swim folks and then also the Garmin Swim uh, device as well. So it's really the the has been for over 10 years now we launched it in 2003 so uh, 11 years it's been uh, the gold standard in uh, analysis software when you sit down you know if you've got a program like wko and you've kind of it's been around for a long time and you realize it's time to kind of upgrade or, or i'm sure you're always kind of working on the next cycle how do you approach that in that first stage of kind of thinking well where is the next step in our development yeah you know that's a that's, that's always a challenge um this time around, it was it was relatively easy because we knew that um, we needed to have a Mac version, and so uh, uh, we've had so many people. It's so funny, you know. Back in 2003, nobody had a Mac. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then now, like everybody's got a Mac, and and we've been hesitant to do it just because the market size is small. Mm. But now it's pretty big, and so we said, <laughs> hey, you know, we need to do a Mac version, and we really just need to completely rebuild the software. Uh, and make it from scratch. And so we sat down, we've had so many meetings, um, gosh, over two years now, uh, and, and talking with our head programmer, Kevin Williams, and just showing him our workflow, like, what do we do? And other coaches in our group, what do they do? And, and, and how do we interact with it? And how do, what, what are people like? What do we need? What are we missing? And, uh, you know, he, you know, he's basically just kind of gathered information for six months on us and then started building the architecture from that. And so, uh, and then we, you know, once he kind of has some of the things set, then we say, okay, well, we like this, we need that, or, oh, you forgot this. And then we kind of tweak it. So then it's an iterative process after that. So I know your forte is going to be <clears throat> discussing around the cycling, um, functionality of it. But mm -hmm. for people listening around the swimming and running, what sort of things can they expect to see in there that, that are going to help them from either a coaching or from, a, from an athletic, perform, um, yeah, athletic analysis? Right. Well, um, one thing that's – that, and, and, and so just so you guys know, we, we have uh, in WKO3 in our, in our current software, we have what, a thing called perspectives. And so – when you choose like the running perspective or swimming perspective, it gives you a specific group of charts. We'll have a similar thing in WKO4. We're actually calling it a view instead of perspective because um, you can use the different views. It's kind of a lens on how you want to see the data. And um, what we've well, one of the things that has been absolutely critical for us in uh, in doing this is one we've sit down with a lot of triathlon coaches, a lot of triathlon athletes um and ask them what, what do you need and how do you how do you use this and, and especially swimmers too so one thing that 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 is very different in the way we look at data from a cycling perspective and let's say swimming first perspective is in cycling we look at stuff on t based on time right so it's like oh what's your best 20 minutes you know how many watts can you do for for an hour um, and so we're always looking at things on time.
but in swimming and in running, it's based on distance, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what's your best hundred meter time? You yep. know, what's your best hundred meters? You know, what's that time? And so there's a time component, but you first have to look at it by distance. And so the same thing for running, you know, what's your best 5K, you know? And, and so it, it kind of reverses the equation a little bit in the fact that, well, if I wanted to plot a graph of all of my best 5K runs, then I would need to be able to search all through the data, show me my best 5K times, and then, you know, then you would work backwards and show me what the paces were, et cetera, et cetera. So we're, we're for, for runners and swimmers, you know, nobody's really done this. And they've done it on like an individual workout by workout scale, but not from a big aggregate okay, here's my season data. How do mm. I look at it from a season perspective? So I think that's going to be really exciting and, and people are going to really enjoy it. Nice. Um, and in terms of the, the biking side of things, um, yeah, maybe maybe go into a bit of detail what you get with WKO versus maybe what um, your average athlete and coach can get from trainingpeaks.com in terms of, the say, the premium version. Mm-hmm. Sure. So... Trainingpeaks.com is our website, and that's the the uh, just the web interface, and and we have a tremendous number of features on the web. So there's a lot of people who just would like to have a web interface, and that's enough. Um, it gives you know on the web, it's it's always going to be kind of the uh, you know not necessarily the 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 the, the lesser of them. But it's going to always be a, not quite as much functionality there just because it's difficult to do a lot of the calculations that we do in a desktop piece of software, do that online and make it fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then we have a tremendous amount of functionality on a desktop piece of software from a customization uh, place. So, you know, gosh, if you want it this color or that color or if you want the graph taller or smaller or just the axes or – uh, well, gosh, I'd rather I'd rather graph, you know, elevation and power, or I'd rather graph, you know, my left-right power balance in this. So we're always going to have that cutting-edge um, piece on the desktop on the WKO software. Mm-hmm. Trainingpeaksworkcom your premium account in addition works great for a lot, a lot of people. Um, but then it's like, you know, man, they're just missing maybe this one chart for you. And maybe that's all it is. And that's enough, you know, to say, ah, I want, I need WKO plus. Mm. I, I remember, um, before I got a Mac and I was using WKO, so I haven't been on WKO for, for a number of years now, but one piece of functionality that I found really useful is I was able to code, um, either workouts or, or races, and then you can go into WKO and you can just type in whatever code you put in there. And this is not tricky stuff for people who, if they think I'm talking about coding, it's like writing next to a race, right. ra- race, or writing time trial next More to like it. tags for the internet, tags, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So you tag, start workout, you go in and say, right, I want to look at all my races, type in race, and boom, within yep. a split second, you've got anything you've tagged with race, and you can see all your outputs in one place versus if you tried doing that on, on I guess, online, there may be a way of doing it, but you'd be there flipping um, until uh, the end of the day, I'd imagine, collating right. all the data. Yeah, exactly, and that's um, that's going to be a really even more powerful feature in WKO4 um, because we're we're allowing you to create all kinds of tags, and then um, and then what's really cool 
is that you're going to be able to make charts and graphs based on those tags. So you could you could always kind of like say, okay, well, show me all my data based on race. But what you know, and I can't give away the farm here, but you know <laughs> what you'll what you'll be able to do is is uh, create you know, unique metrics based on those things. We've created a way inside WKO4 that is just phenomenally uh, innovative that allows you to graph just about anything you want to graph. Um, and uh, it, and you can use those tags to do it. It's, it's really cool. So you have to trust me on it. <laughs> nice. Now, you, you mentioned before about the, the left and right um, pedal analysis for, for people with power meters. Um, can you explain a bit about that and also what power meters this actually works with? Because I know that with a number of power meters, it's an estimation or a formula based off one leg, then it estimates the others. So maybe talk us through how the left and right um, picking up of the power works, and if it's different between different power meters where they actually do measure both legs. Right. So yeah, there's a lot to it, and um, it is it is pretty interesting. We've been looking. I've been looking at left and right power data now for a couple of years, and and we've been a little bit uh, hamstrung because we didn't have the tools to truly understand it. I mean, it's kind of like back in uh, the year 2000 when there wasn't really any good power analysis software out there, and really nobody knew. Well, what are we supposed to be looking at? So. Um, the current left and right ones, uh, so, so I'll just kind of give you a quick overview of what they do. Like quark, the quark, that has left and right, but it only measures the positive phase, so 0 to 180. It doesn't measure the negative phase uh, or resistive phase from 180 degrees up back up to 360, hmm. the, upstro the upstroke. It only measures the downstroke. So you're getting just kind of half of what left and right is doing. Uh, the Garmin pedals, they capture both the left and the right, and so then you get all of those numbers together. Uh, the same thing with the rotor cranks, uh, also the, the info crank as well from Verve Cycling. Uh, Pioneer does the same thing. Pioneer is unique in the fact that you get a little more data from them. They have a little higher speed data, and you're getting 12 points per uh, revolution, so that, that that allows you to see... Uh, well, are the radial forces and the tangential forces. So how much force is going outward and then in what direction that force is going mm -hmm. uh, as you pedal. So each of them have their own little quirks. And I think that you'll see, uh, I know we're, uh, Interbike is this week coming up. I'm flying out to Las Vegas here the day after tomorrow. Um, and I know there's a couple other ones that are actually going to come out with uh, some new innovative things as well. So, but but the bottom line is, is um, each of us has a leg strength discrepancy. Okay, that's normal. All right, that's it is absolutely normal. There's there, it would be abnormal if your legs were perfectly 50-50 around the pedal stroke at all times. Just it, it just doesn't happen. Mm. All right, now some of us have very extreme discrepancies. Some of us, uh, you know, uh, you know, let's, let's take, for example, an injury, a, a, a big injury may make one leg very weak compared to the other leg. Um, most of us though, are kind of in that 5% to 10% range. This leg's a little bit more, this leg's a little bit less. Now, the issue with this is a very complicated issue because, um, 
that can change based on a number of different things. So it can change based on what zone you're riding in. Mm -hmm. So for example, maybe you're just out riding really easy at an endurance pace. Then it could be that your left leg is a more dominant endurance pace than your right leg is. But then when you go closer to your functional threshold power, then all of a sudden the right leg becomes more dominant than the left leg does. Um, so it can vary across the different zones that you're training in. And then it can also vary based on your position in space. So whether you're seated normally with your hands on you know, the drops of the handlebars, whether you're in your time trial bars, whether you're standing out of the saddle, uh, whether you're scooted back on the saddle you know, and, and dropping your heels maybe, trying to emphasize your hamstrings. So there's a lot of different things that go into what make up uh, the power that ultimately comes out and gets to the wheel. So, so I guess the, the, the question is then, then what do people do about this? You know, is it something that people can specifically train? You know, do you go out and do single leg focus, uh, single leg cycling? Do you go out and do um, weight work, weight work? work gym? Do you do you think when I'm in this zone, I want to be focusing on pushing a bit harder with my right leg? Um, have you sort mm -hmm. of figured out any answers for people? Well, that's um, we, we have, and um, that's been part of the exciting thing that WKO4 is going to bring to the table is, first off, we have to identify the problem, like what's going on with you, uh, and and figure out where that issue is. And, and so once we identify what's happening, so for example, let's say your left leg is, is the weaker leg, um, but then the right leg is stronger, you know, above threshold, then you can start to say, well, what part of the left leg is weaker, okay? Is it really that the left leg is weaker than the right leg? And maybe it's actually the fact that um, your right leg resists more on the upstroke and the left leg isn't able to overcome the right leg resistance, okay? Mm -hmm. So remember, right, you have to think about this, and this is – this is a fallacy that I think is, is um, that, uh, you know, I'm going to talk about now for, for a couple of years and go around the world talking about is that currently the way that these manufacturers are measuring the power from the left and the right leg, they're measuring them. This is the sum of all the measurements of the left leg. And let's say that's the, you know, the positive force, 0 to 180, negative force, 180 to 360. And that say that's for 53% on the uh, the right leg. Hmm. Then on the left leg, then that may be 47% on the left leg, and that again is the sum of the forces from the positive side to the negative side. Well, the problem with that is your left, or let's say let's say your left leg, when you push down, what's resisting the left leg? It's the right leg, right? Mm. It's not the left leg resisting itself on the way down. It's the right leg resisting it on the way down. Mm. So you can't think of these things as, oh, it's just the left leg is weaker. It's only 47% and the right leg is 53%. Well, wait a minute here. There's the right leg opposing the left leg. 
And then the other side of the phase, when the right leg is forward, the left leg is resisting the right leg from going down. So we've been able to pull that stuff out and figure out what part of the phase is stronger and weaker. Hmm. And once we figure that out, then we can say, okay, now we can do something about that. You know, and you mentioned weight training, hmm. a perfect example, right? That was a place where you could say, well, gosh, you know, my left quadricep is, is actually stronger than my right quadricep, but it's my, um, you know, right hamstring that isn't, you know, strong uh, uh, as my left hamstring. So now I can actually address one muscle group over the other one in the weight room. All right. And that mm -hmm. may be something you do in the off season. Maybe you do that in the season. What we can do is start working on some functional movement stuff and maybe it's not in the weight room. And then there also is just like, you know, awareness, mm -hmm. right? Once you have awareness of the problem, then you're like, oh, crap, you know, you're right. I totally don't, like, use that muscle, mm. you know, all the time when I pedal. And then you can start to engage it more. Mm. So that's going to be the exciting part. Once we, we identify it, then we start writing prescriptions to fix those things. And then we see the response <laughs> of how that goes. You're opening up a big can of worms there, Hunter. <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna be a lot of people spending a lot more time on their computers and out training <laughs> hey that's why you gotta hire a cycling coach or a triathlon coach it's good for the industry <laughs> so, don't look behind the curtain just don't look behind yeah, the curtain that's right <laughs> so um in terms of um we've got a couple of questions from some of the listeners but in terms of um uh, sort of wrapping up WKO stuff. Any any other things you want to announce um, around that, or any other features you think are really noteworthy for, for the triathlon um, audience? You know, I think that uh, it's it's going to be just a an overall um, good way to start looking at uh, the 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 big picture. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, it's funny. Some people will always accuse me, oh man, you're, you're awesome at this deep detailed analysis. And I'm like, yeah, I like the detailed analysis, but I also like to see the big picture and I like to be able to see, you know, where I am. So we've kind of done a bunch of things where it allows you to see really key metrics that maybe you're, you, you haven't been able to see before or easily been able to see and put them out in front of you. And so, you know, one of these uh, ideas that we've we've uh, that we've all like and 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 we've talked about for many years is wouldn't it be really cool if you just like opened up your software and it like had these like little alerts and things and it just like kind of said, you know, hey, there's there's something here that you need to you know do something you know or or you know you you should watch your your ramp rate like it, your ramp rate's getting too steep and you should maybe start to rest so you know we're, we're coming out with some pretty cool alerts that uh should allow the user to be to to get clues right because it's all about looking at your data and then trying to analyze it and trying to figure out well what is this telling me but you know our our you know, sophistication and our software and and technology and and, and our, you know has has really advanced in ten years. 
And so now we can start to give a little bit of artificial intelligence intelligence to you. You know, we're not saying, hey, John, I think you should rest tomorrow. Mm. But, you know, we're saying, hey, you know, this is this is a metric here that you might need to watch out, you know, and be careful about. So mm. I think that's going to be fun for a lot of triathletes uh, because it'll it'll start to help define their training even further. And I think the whole Mac community is going to be yeah, jumping for up sure. for joy. Yeah. Hey, no, hey um, so. we've got a few questions um, from listeners, okay. and, and, and the typical question is, what exactly what percentage should I race an Ironman at? And I know there's so many, <laughs> so many different things that go into that. But I mean, if 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 you would yeah. get Joe Bloggs to come up to you and say, sure. you know, percentage of FTP, what should I be ballpark? What should I be looking at? Um, and, and and I know that. That depends on a lot on fitness and all that sort of stuff. What's your sort of stock standard answer for, for the person that asked you that one? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great one. Uh, you know, this past weekend, I just flew up to uh, Wisconsin. We had Ironman Wisconsin yesterday, actually, and I was up there um, doing a talk and, uh, and, and, and just address this, even just did a, a really cool presentation on Ironman uh, regarding this. Um, so, you know, I tell you what, if you're an age grouper, um, you the key is you and if you're you know if you're concerned about can i finish the event then you need to probably be around 65 to 68 percent of your ftp all right and that's where if you're concerned about finishing the event now if you're an age grouper you know like oh no problem i can finish the event but I'm a little concerned that I might not be able to run the whole run. I'll run almost all of it, but I'm worried about a little bit. Then, you know, 68 to 70% of your FTP. Now, if you're a strong age grouper and you're like, hey, man, no problem. I'm going to finish this run. I'm going to finish strong. I'll be good. Then that's where you can say, okay, 70, you know, to 72%. Um, then, so that's in that range. It's not a big range, you know, 65 mm. to 72, but there's a really big difference over an Ironman distance. Mm. Um, you know, uh, what's um, uh, a friend of mine, TJ Tolkson, just won Ironman um, Mount Tremblant in Canada a couple of weeks ago. And I had an uh, opportunity to analyze this file and give him some thoughts and stuff. Super sharp guy and a really good athlete. You know, he rode, he, he won the pro race as the, as the male. He rode at 77% of his FTP. Wow. You know, solid. so, yeah, yeah. that's, it, it really, it's not that much. And it's like, you know, it's, it's like not that much higher. So you can think here's the, but one of the best guys in the world at 77%, you know, some of the best age groupers are 72, you know, and some of the people are like, oh, I'm worried that I'm going to finish. They're still 65. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty narrow window and, and you can, you got to really adhere to it um, so that you, you know, you can finish the run. And to, uh, we had a couple of questions around sort of 70.3 pacing because we know, and we've talked about this a lot before, is you know if you're in an Ironman race, you generally want to be keeping that var- variability index score really, really low and um, not hump the hills too much and uh, just mm-hmm. keep a nice, even power output. If you're mm-hmm. doing a shorter course race, and again, talking about your average age grouper, um, say either a 70.3 or an Olympic, um, do you often encourage people to to vary that effort a bit more based on hills, on wind and things like that, or usually keeping it as, as even as they possibly can? Um, <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good one. It's 70.3, I mean, 
yeah, to me, the goal of um, of anybody who's really serious, not not just the typical kind of, you know, I'm going to finish, you know, et cetera, but somebody who wants to win. You know, my goal is to get them to, you know, 98 percent of their FTP for their bike. And when they can do that, then they're like right at their FTP and then they run you know, at, mm. at their threshold pace the whole time. And then, Hey, they're in the, they're in the game for the win. Mm. Um, but for most folks, it's like, well, you know, that's, that's a pretty short event when you kind of start to think about it. And if you've had enough time to train to really do it, you know, you're starting to get into that 80 to 85%, maybe, you know, and start even to push into the 90%, you know, what we call that sweet spot range, 88 to 93 man, that is a great place to be. Um, I really start to push my athletes to try and get to that sweet spot place for that event. If they can get there, then maybe I can leap them up to 95, 97, 98. And now we're, you know, now we're cooking with gas. But for most people, it's like, Hey, in that 80 to 90% range, you know, again, that's kind of a big range. It's like 80 to 85. Hey, you know, I want to finish strong on the run. You know, then it's like 80 to, to 85. That's a good place to be. Cool. Um, okay, so you're coming down to New Zealand. We've, you've got a, a one-day conference in Christchurch on Saturday, the 4th of October. Um, and mm-hmm. prior to that, you're going to be up in... Cambridge doing um, a couple of different uh, symposiums and, and clinics and what have you. Um, for any, yes. listen, any listeners, we've got actually got a promo code IMTALK. You get a discounted ticket entry to that. Um, Sweet. I mean, I don't know if you're just rocking up and doing your part of the presentations or if you know what uh, anything else that's going on around them, but the Christchurch one um, is, is a one-day one. In terms of the, the Cambridge ones, do you know much about in terms of the overall package with those ones? Yeah, they're doing a, a variety of things. It's really a cycling symposium then on the 26th and 27th, and they've got nutrition speakers. They've got uh, folks doing a couple of things, I believe, on, on specifically on tri- triathlon, mm. on cycling. I mean, it really is going to be a, a complete day, uh, or two days, rather, of, of different speakers. So that should be really fun. Um, you know, I, I, I would highly encourage if you can come to that one, that would be great. I'll be speaking both days, of course, talking about the science behind WKO4 because we got some really cool new metrics coming out showing WKO4, working with it, and all that stuff. Um, and then in Christchurch, uh, more focused on, you know, just the cycling portion. I'm going to do some cool stuff on triathlon because, you know, it's also a passion of mine. So I'm always going to bring triathlon into all of my talks. And then uh, I'll be in Auckland on the 5th of October as well. So I've got a talk there too. Cool, guys. So we'll have links to all those um, on imtalk.me. And uh, make sure, yeah, as I said, you've got a promo code there. I've been to um, clinics with Hunter before. And as you've heard in the interviews, he's just got a really nice way of not overcomplicating an issue that um, or a topic that is, is really, really can be as complex as you want to make it. So um, it's always good times. Um, Hunter? Awesome. Always good to have you on the show. And um, yeah, shame I'm going to miss you because I'm going to be in Hawaii. And hopefully I'll be pumping out my 74, 74%. 77, mate. I reckon you can do 77. TJ. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pitching for about 74% uh, nice. of FTP. And um, we will see how we get on. So yeah, as always, oh, if, if people want to follow what you're doing in terms of your website, Twitter, or anything like that, what's the, the best way for people to follow you? 
Yeah, you know, uh, my Twitter is Hunter Peaks, and uh, then uh, I'm also on Facebook, Peaks Coaching Group. Uh, that's a great place to uh, to do. I get all of my updates and everything on those two places, so uh, absolutely. And then you can always just send me an email, you know. I get tons of emails. I do my best to answer them. Uh, just my email is super simple, hunter at peakscoachinggroup.com. I guess you were just focused on those two um, New Zealand clinics, but have you got anything else coming up for other people? I mean, Aussies, I'd, I'd definitely encourage Aussies to make the trip over. It's going to be fantastic. But any other worldwide plans at this stage for other people? Yeah, you know, after that, I'm going to uh, Panama, actually, in mm. uh, Central America. Uh, then after that, I'm going to uh, Norway. And uh, then after that, I think I'll actually be on uh, in one of the Channel Islands in Jersey, there uh, south of uh, England. Um, and uh, after that, then I'm back in the states for most of January. I've got uh, a couple, uh, Utah, California, another Virginia one. So it's just like it just kind of kicks off. Uh, just you know, Hunter Allen on tour. <laughs> nice, <laughs> like Michael Jackson, mate. Awesome. <laughs> Brilliant. Hopefully, yeah. Um, that's awesome, man. We really appreciate your time, and yeah, um, and we look forward to hearing some good feedback about your time down in New Zealand. Awesome, guys. Well, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure to have me on, and I really appreciate it. And it's so cool that you guys have so many great fans as well. Cool, awesome, mate. Love you. Awesome. Okay, Jonbo, we're back. And uh, guys, if you want to do that camp that he has in Christchurch, um, Auckland, or Auckland is you go to www.iamtalk.me and I'll have the rates and all this stuff up there for you there. There is a discount code for, is it the Christchurch one only? Uh, no, it's for both of them. So use the promo code IMTALK and you get a 15% discount on the seminars. And they're pretty reasonably priced. I think they're 125. 125, which is, this dude knows his business. Yeah. And if you if you knew, if you, New to power, you you use power all the time. Really, um, Hunter, I've been to his lectures before, and he does make it understandable. Um, whereas power stuff is very easy to just just get lost in it. So uh, yeah, highly recommend it. And I'm pretty frustrated that it's scheduled when I'm away in Kona. Well, I think that's the thing is that you know people spend so much money on these tools, and a lot of people it's like it's like a lot of technology, isn't it? People spend a huge amount of money on technology. And then they, you know, use ten percent of the functionality, and you know, for this tool, that's you know, ultimately the greater you can understand yourself as an athlete, the better you'll perform. So you know, the the deeper understanding you have of how to use these tools, the better it will be for you as an athlete. So, and this guy is the he's 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 the shitty Benetti John. He is indeed. Yep. So you check know it what out. What else is the shitty Benetti? Extreme endurance, Bevan. Oh, tell me all about it, John. So they recently did a little test. We in uh, take one, we played a, a nice big long video, but we're not going to do it right now. <laughs> I remember when we were doing it. Luckily, the show didn't go forward. When we were doing it, the video kind of went on forever, and I was thinking, when's it going to end, John? But they basically got a bunch of athletes to do Fran, which is a um, which is a CrossFit sort of uh, what is it? Well, a routine, kind of routine wad, you do. Wad. So a wad is a workout of the day, and a Fran's a wad. 
Yes, yeah, so they, they did that and they got some guys to, to take Extreme Endurance. Um, they got them to do the do Fran uh, and then they take Extreme Endurance for eight days. Don't change anything else in your diet. Just train as normal and, and redo it. And what they found is their CK levels went down significantly. They performed better. They had less muscle soreness and I think they did it across about 35 athletes or so and I think 29 of them all improved. Uh, so we know that you know it really helps with your, your muscle fatigue what this is really showing is um, the athletes are actually performing better, um, the CK levels are a lot lower, and as you said, Bevan, it basically is a shitty benitty. Yep. That's so, today's saying, really, isn't it? It is. So get on xendurance.com, use the promo code IAMTALK5. If you're going to the .com site, you get yourself a nice little discount for Kiwis and Aussies. If you want, you can get it through me, um, through coachjohnnewsome.com, and under the, the shop um, the shop button. And you're away laughing. I'm loving it. Saved me on Epic Camp, that's for sure. And, and you were saying you were almost getting sick last week, weren't you? Yesterday, yeah. So this morning I slept in, and part of that was because the night before, um, for whatever reason, I just had a, had a woeful sleep. And so I was pretty tired all day yesterday and also got that little tickle in my throat. And every time that I've d- done that, um, whenever I have that little tickle, I just pump up a bit more of the old immune boost and boom, away she goes. Done, wake up next day. No, no problems. Like so, a new you, John. Very, yeah, very impressed with the immune boost. So check it out. Okay, guys. So there you go. Xendurance.com. Okay, John. But let's do a epic, epic camp wrap up. So you got home from your flight. Did you have a good flight? We did have a good flight, man. If, 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 if getting proper heavy duty sleeping pills just <laughs> knocked you out. <laughs> Seriously, six, six or seven how, hours. Sleep. How do you get them? How do you get them? Oh, you just got to have people in the know. Oh, really? That will, you know? no, not what you know. Seriously. Don't want to name your supplier, do you? You get on the flight, you have your dinner, and, and, and this flight is great because you leave at night and you get back into New Zealand in the, in the morning and you have your dinner, take the sleeping pill with a glass of wine, boom chart, you're out for six or seven hours, you wake up um, when it's breakfast time and then you're basically home. So it makes those long-haul flights um, realistic. But probably the most hardest thing that I was really struggling with last week was not the fatigue from the camp because I actually came out of it in pretty good condition um, but I still had a very easy week of training was just trying to stop eating and um, the temptation is to eat rubbish food all the time um, which is one thing is come just overcoming that challenge but just the challenge of constantly being hungry when you're doing bugger all training uh, is, is a real issue and something I really struggled with and uh, did okay with but still a lot of food when I wasn't doing any training so I wasn't particularly thrilled about that but it's um it's really difficult well no no I, I totally understand because I know when I gave up Ironman I literally went through a period where I, I felt like I was starving myself and it was just because <laughs> I knew the amount of output I was going to be doing was a lot less than what I had been doing so the amount of input had to be a lot less as well and there was probably a whole month where it felt like I was starving every day and, and I wasn't I was eating the right amount of food for how much I was doing but yeah, it was actually quite challenging. And I imagine it's probably a thing that a lot of guys who move away from the sport, I imagine a lot of people probably put on weight. Oh, yeah. yeah, not, yeah. Not, and not just to kind of lose your sharpness weight, as in like... No, no, no. They put on... You know, swimmers are notorious for putting on big weight. And I also I watched the Marco Pantani um, documentary on the way back from Canada as well, and they had a number of cyclists of his era um, or before his era on there, and they were porkers. Really? If Guinea Berzine, who won um, the Giro d'Italia, I think, once, and he was a, a real tour contender, he was a miniature little cyclist. Man, that dude was just... <laughs> 
was ginormous. <laughs> he was a massive porker. Well, because there was the thing, like when I gave him, I literally, I knew, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to really change my diet here. And it, it was a big shift. And, and I was like, because you th- you're starving. So you're thinking all the time, oh, you know, I should eat. And I was like, no. And I, I got over it, but geez, it, it was definitely an effort. It was. And what was an effort was also Epic Camp. And I know lots of the listeners love the stats. And um, if you do want to see stats from it, I mean, I put up all my um, training sessions, all my um, files, my GPS files from the camp. If you want to see you know, how fast we're going, what we're sort of doing, that's all up on epiccamp.com and there's links through there. But the basic stats were um, it was a 12-day camp. Um, we only had the opportunity to swim on 10 of those 12 days. I swam 39 k's, which basically comprised uh, a couple of 6k swims, one day where I did swim twice, uh, did two 3k swims and all the other swims were 3k's and most of them were open water. So so it was continuous swimming. Uh, biking, um, We what we need to know about the biking is we had a huge amount of elevation gain up and down on the camp. So distances were not that great, but the duration we were out riding was pretty significant. So I to- totaled up around about 1,550 k's of cycling. And then on the running front, um, similar to the biking, our last few runs were very short in distance, but very, very long in terms of... Uh, duration that we're out there so I ran around about 150 k's of running within the 12 days so what that meant was uh, about 76 hours of moving time for me um, so that's you know having the watch always auto pausing whenever I'm stopping which averaged out at 6.3 hours a day um, but I'd probably estimate that if you didn't have a weren't stopping your watch every time for if you stopped to take a photo aid stations or anything I would have thought that my total time out there actually doing stuff would have been probably around about the 90 hour mark um, because in general we started at about 6 30 or 7 in the morning and we're pretty much training all day long of course we stopped for meals and what have you but it was pretty much sort of 7 in the morning through to either 4 or 5 o'clock at night training you know for pretty much continuously for 12 days so it was good times and um, there were certainly with some highlights in there no no major accidents um, no major injuries which is always good and we've had our first of our athletes raced at the weekend at 70.3 Lee, Barn- Lee Barnfield uh, smoked it and did a, a massive improvement on her time from last year despite it being a w- one week after Epic Camp which was good to see and we've got David Rowe coming up this weekend in Wales and then we've got guys racing in Tahoe, Chattanooga and a number of athletes racing in Kona so always good to see what the athletes are doing post Epic Camp Good times rock and roll and so what's, what's, what's the future of Epic Camp John? Oh, it's being discussed on a on an hour by hour basis. <laughs> oh, really? <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, I, I, was, I was speaking to Belinda the other day at the gym, and she was saying how she went to bed. She went to the toilet in the middle of the night the other night, and she got back to bed, and she thought, "What's Tommy doing in the bed?" And then she realised you were back in the bed. <laughs> oh, you get so confused when you're travelling as well. You know, when you do the epic camp and you're, you're moving, majority of the days you wake up and you don't know where the hell you are. And I had the first few nights back at home. You know, almost went and pissed in the cupboard a couple of times. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it all gets a bit confusing. But no, the future's looking rosy. Um, so the plan is to have a Kona Light Camp next year. So if anybody wants to get on that you do need to actually get on that real soon because the 70s 
70.3 does sell out and that's a real highlight of the camp so that will be at the end of May next year uh, week long camp basically circumnavigating um, the big island and finishing off with a uh, 70.3 the standard at that camp is a lot lower so more or less if you're 13 hours or um, usually 13 hours is a cutoff but I have some flexibility there so we have athletes that range from about nine and a half through to 13 hours so we have more of a group dynamic going with those camps where we set off in, in groups for all the rides still works really really well and it's a very cool week and then uh, 2016 we will be going to France so that should be uh, outstanding and again interest in that camp is possibly unprecedented i've got a very big long spreadsheet of names of people who want to go on that camp so should be good times yeah it'd be awesome mate. france would be amazing you've done yeah, france before haven't you i've done twice before this one's going to be in the alps um and it's going to have now I, I really know my way around out there and it's going to have all the classics first time up mont ventoux which is going to be on day one which is going to be awesome oh, good times okay jombo so you, you want to do your session of the week Quickly do my session of the week because I've got a couple of key sessions and I'm going to do this every week between here and Kona, just highlighting perhaps two or three of my key sessions for, for Kona prep. So yesterday was the first session back, really cranking it on the, the running front since Epic Camp. Phil and Ada and I, we did three times through four kilometres at 3.55 per K pace, which for us is just a touch slower than half Ironman effort which is still fair moving um, and requires a, quite a bit of effort um, one minute easy and then 1k hard which is done at around about 10k pace so we're looking at going under 3 minutes 30 for that and then uh, 2 minutes easy and then repeating that through another 2 times through so all in all we banged out around about 21Ks within an hour and a half of running. So it was a pretty solid session and uh, I was a little fatigued this morning, which is perhaps why I slept in. And my other key session for, for this week is to go and do about 155K on the bike and basically doing four hours of that at absolute best case Ironman effort um, and really just trying to nut out my nutritional on your just do a bit of a nutrition simulation and just get a big long stretch at Ironman effort and I've got to say after today's bike ride which is my first serious bike ride back Ironman effort feels a hell of a lot easier after Epic Camp oh really does it it's nice it so is. you're getting fit I'm getting fit and uh, yeah it was a good five beats lower and effort was significantly lower than what it was um, before Epic Camp so I'm feeling pretty good about that when do you think was the fittest moment in your life uh, around about November time of 1999. Why is that? Was that when you were like really? Was that was that when it you was, beat Peter Reed? It was, and that was why it was on my hot streak. I was just winning just about every race that I did. Uh, did lots of you know third tier races of France, but I was just on fire. So I think that's the fastest and the fittest I've ever been. It's a pity. That's a pity, isn't it? Like I was, you know, it's a pity that was fifteen years ago. Well, no, but that's the thing. It's a pity that you know, unfortunately, with age, you can never be as fit as you. You know, like the you, we can keep developing ourselves in many ways in our lives, but unfortunately, with physical, there is a limit, and we can still be fit. But you know, like I know my fitness is definitely behind me, so it's a it's a bit of a bummer in some ways. But anyway, what's not a bummer, John, is coffees of Hawaii. Fact number two, John, we've been talking about the facts last week. You had. Something really fascinating, which I've forgotten. But this week, tell me about so it. So fascinating, you've forgotten. Americans get more antioxidants. Oh, that's from right. That was life changing. Else. Yep. Um, but this week, 
just smelling coffee could make you less stressed. Researchers at Seoul National University examined the brains of rats who were stressed with sleep deprivation and discovered that those who were exposed to coffee aromas experienced changes in brain proteins tied to those stress, tied to that stress. Note, this aroma study doesn't relate to the stress by itself, only to the stress felt as a result of sleep deprivation. Mm. Now, we're not entirely sure if this means you should keep a bag of roasted coffee beans on your nightstand every night, but feel free to try. I think it's so, a good idea, John. Coffee to Hawaii every night, you go to bed, have amazing dreams. Yeah, and then get up in the morning and have those just feel a little bit de-stressed every day. There is, you know, smells, the smell of coffee, most people find, even if they're not coffee drinkers, find pretty refreshing and pretty relaxing. And the research is proving that, Bevan. Yeah, no, I have to admit, there's something about the smell of coffee that is gold. Even just when you get coffee beans, like when you open up a pack of coffees of Hawaii, it's just it's it's just a sensory how's that sensory 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 that's it uh just an overload that's just oh it's so absorbing it's so beautiful so team just smell the coffee don't drink it buy coffees of why just smell yeah. it just get on it we've got all the promo codes on imtalk.me just click on the coffees of why logo and away you go and also just for you guys going to Kona start thinking about that coffee boat because it's going to be out there okay coffees of Hawaii guys get on it support the crew because they have always supported us and they've got great product okay we're not going to questions and answers because well it's nearly 10 o'clock at night now and we started the show at 6 7 o'clock this morning so <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day uh sponsors coffees of get the smell athlinks.com check out the competition extreme endurance become a human machine okay John, what you goss no goss just want to go to bed <laughs> I did take the kids away with the fillinator. We 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 had two weeks away. Well, I had nearly three weeks away um, from the far the far now. Um, and so Belinda's payback. She gets uh, two and a half days of kitty free time. Oh, and so, so now generous. all square, so, all square. So generous. Yeah. This time in three weeks' time, I will be actually right about now. I'll be touching down in, in Honolulu, having a night in Honolulu, and then the next day I'll be in Kona. Is um. How long is your whole trip to Kona? That's a good question. I'd say it'll be uh, leave on the 30th, get back. Yeah, it's a couple of weeks, two and a half weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's going to be good times. Yeah. Where do you go Even? after the race? We go down to Waikoloa and we hang out there for about five days and then uh, and just relax and don't do bugger all, really. Look yeah. forward to it. Unwind. Yes. Bevan, what's your goss? Well, my keep book, it brief, keep my, it brief. My, well, keep I'll, I'll only take half an hour. My book comes out Monday, team. Now, I'm not sure how you're going to be able to get it overseas. I'll find out and I'll let you know. Um, lots of PR, John. I'm in, I'm in the Women's Weekly coming up. Yep, nobody yeah. reads Women's Weekly, so yep. No, all the women in New Zealand do. Mm. Every but Belinda's got every copy. Yeah, every copy. And she it's will have it. this week's copy. Yeah. And, then, um, and then, yeah, that's pretty much it, really. Book. It's all yep. book. So check out the book's coming out soon. So I'll let you guys all know about it real soon. Take anyway. one was about 15 minutes long. Take two is one minute long. I'm on fading. <laughs> I'm going to go bloody process the show now. I'm going to make it do it at 11 o'clock. But it's okay because it was my mistake. Iron Russ. I'm in Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia ka. Ka.